Shivani, we bout to party, we bout to party, unrestricted, got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down, got that big space pump and make them bounce now, flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. Welcome everyone to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling, Aubrey Edwards and Tony Shivani here with you today on this lovely Thursday morning or Monday morning, I guess, if you're watching on YouTube. How you doing, Tony? I'm great, Aubrey. It's great to be with you as always. It's great to be a part of AEW. Some exciting times for us, as you know, and uh, just love the summertime. And I'm sure you do in Seattle as well. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's we're actually getting summer starting this weekend. Yeah. So it's cool. nice. It's always scheduled around Fourth of July. Anyway, I don't want to talk about Seattle. I want to talk about our awesome guest today, Kiera, who I think I first met you during the pandemic. You were driving up with Diamante from Miami and like doing makeup casually in the locker room. <laughs> and your own makeup always looks uh, so phenomenal. So did you just end up coming up with her and, you know, chilling, whatever? Like, how did the drives up start? Yeah. So um, she started at AW and then I was like, I want to go like it's in Jacksonville. That doesn't seem like a far drive. I definitely want to go and hang out. Like I have friends in the locker room and I definitely was kind of envious because she seemed like she was having so much fun. And I was like, I want to go have fun. <laughs> I was working like once a month and I was like, oh, I want to go have fun and be around wrestling. So I just ended up doing the drives all through the pandemic as as many as I could. You made your AEW debut uh, in 2021 against uh, Sheeta on AEW Dark. When did you find out your first match would be against Sheeta? I found out... Ten minutes before, right? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. That's pretty much the standard. Nothing like that. (laughs) But I was really excited because I was like, wow, this is my first match with AEW? That's definitely a banger. And we definitely had a banger. Yeah. No question. Very good. Very good. And it was great. It was one of our first uh, shows back on the road. So it was like, oh, man, this is just excellent. We had Kira hanging out with us, and now she's back on the road with us. Absolutely phenomenal, just because I, I love, like, the bright, shiny personality that you bring to our locker room. So <laughs> uh, so recently, you've joined up with Jade Cargill and Red Velvet, the baddies. I personally love all of your social media, all of the dances you guys do together and whatnot. I want you to talk a little bit about the chemistry you have with that group. Oh, man. Literally, it's been so organic. Just the whole process, us joining Jade and being the baddies, everything has happened so organically, and it's been great. Like, we've had instant chemistry. Even when I was just coming to Jacksonville, I was always, like, talking to Jade and and Red. (laughs) And um, we, I mean, we just hit it off immediately. And I know Red's a dancer, so I was like, we should do TikToks together. She was on doing her own TikTok, and I was doing my own. And um, I think we were doing Fan Fest for Revolution, and that was the first TikTok I did with Red. And it got so much traction. I was like, I think people really like these collabs. And then, of course, I got with the baddies, and then the collabs just started rolling in. And that's our thing now. <laughs> you really have the only female faction in AEW. I mean, there's a lot of, you know the Jericho Appreciation Society, there's the Combat Club. But uh, the baddies, really the only female faction in AEW. So that that has to mean a lot. Oh, it definitely does. I mean, I think we are a force to be reckoned with, honestly. Like, I feel like we are definitely, like, a threat, honestly. Like, we all bring so much different, like, diversity 
from each one of us, but together we're even stronger. I love that you all have sort of a different style of wrestling as well. So you all bring something different to the table when it comes to matches, whether it's a tag or a singles format, just absolutely great. So Dynamite, June 1st at the Forum. What was it like being a part of that show? Because I know that we, and also in Rampage, you got to be Athena's first match in AEW. So it was kind of an exciting week. Oh, yeah. I was honestly not expecting to go into California with a banger. Like, I was really excited. Uh, you know, Diamante's been telling me about the forum. She was like, do you know where we are? We're at the forum. I want to wrestle at the forum. I was like, I would love to do something at the forum. And I happened to, you know, step up to Athena. And honestly, it's a match that's been meaning to happen. And I've been wanting to wrestle her for a few years now. We had a tryout together back in the day. And ever since then, I was like, hey, I definitely want to wrestle her. So I'm glad we got to do it on Rampage. That was her first match. And honestly, I would do it over and over and over again because she was an amazing competitor. It was a great match. It really was. And talk about that match. You had uh, baddies at ringside cheering you on. You know, I, I'm sure that impacts your performance when you've got a cheering squad. But uh, were you nervous? I mean, like you said, you and Athena had started at the same time you're at the forum. Any nerves for that? Oh, most definitely. One, I was really nervous about uh, the O face because I know that's her signature. I know that's like <laughs> finish, and I was so nervous. That's the one thing I was super nervous about. But honestly, like, I feel like going into that match, I was more in my head about just wanting to do good and just bring out the inner baddie and the hottest flame and just be that because I feel like I don't wrestle as often. So the, when I do get the chance to wrestle, I try to show out as much as I can. And having my hype team behind me just made it all the more better. So once I got in the ring and the red lights were on, nerves were gone. You dropped it a little bit there, the hottest flame. And I actually wanted to touch on that a little bit. So you've got this blue and red hair. You've got the blue and red ring gear. And you, you're the hottest flame. Kira Hogan. Hey. And before that, you were sort of the, the girl on fire. Like, talk a little bit about the evolution of sort of that character from one company to the next. I love that you asked this question because I feel like nobody ever asks this question. And I feel like right. people get so confused. They're like, you're still a girl on fire. I'm like, no, listen. So I was the girl on fire because I felt like when I first started, I had all this energy and passion. I just wanted, I knew, I felt like fire was my inner passion and my determination. And I felt like I was the girl on fire. I'm lit, I'm hot, but I'm also happy to be here. I'm the cute little baby face. I'm happy to be here. After a few years and, you know, being with Impact, I was like transforming. And then I came out and I, I felt more comfortable with myself and more confident. And I felt like the girl was the girl. And I was a woman and I was a confident woman. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the hottest flame. I'm the hottest. I'm the most confident. I'm the baddest, you know, like I just feel like that exudes my confidence being the hottest flame. So the transition is just from the girl to the woman. And that's it. <laughs> You're just growing up in front of our eyes. Exactly. That's it. You know, <laughs> Kiara Hogan is your real name. And a lot of times in wrestling, we do not use our real names. What did, did people try to talk? <laughs> well, you, uh, yes, I do. What's that, Noah? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, did people try to talk to you into using a character name when you were getting started, or how did that all uh, happen? Yes. Yeah, so when I was at Impact, I got discovered at a Shine show, and Gail Kim was like, "Hey, you know." 
I don't think you could use the last name Hogan. Why don't you come up with some different names? And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I figured maybe it was going to happen, but I was coming up with some names, nothing really fit. And then my first impact show, when I saw like my video screen, it's a Kiera Hogan. And I was like, I thought you guys said, and they were like, no, we like your name. It's you. It fits you. And I was like, I mean, it's my name. So I'm glad that it fits me. But I feel like keeping my name was very important to me because I started off in wrestling. I will be in the wrestling business 10 years next year, which is crazy to me. Wow. I started off as an interviewer and a ring announcer when I wrestled at, a at WWA4 and when I did like PWX in North Carolina. I did that for a couple of years. And then I was like, you know, I think it'll be cool to see the transition from me doing that to now getting in the ring. Uh, you've also won a, a number of championships, too, in, in your past. Uh, Impact Knockout Tag Team Champion. Tag Team Champions a couple of times, right? Two times. Two times. Two times. Knockout Champ. Oh, yeah. I loved um, being in, you know, Fire and Flava, me and Tasha Steeles. Right. The former Knockouts Champion now. But honestly, like, again, that was something that was super organic. It happened during the pandemic. Tasha got hired during the pandemic. I had been pushing to get them to bring her in because I felt like we could do like a faction or a team or something. So when they brought her in, they kind of threw us together and we didn't really have any idea. But again, it just it happened so organically and we grew and we got more ideas and it just happened the way that it happened. And honestly, we had awesome chemistry. So it was a dream working with her, honestly. One of the things I wanted to touch on today, because I find you a very inspirational representative of the LGBTQ plus community. And what does it mean for you to be out in wrestling and being proud and talking about who it is you actually are to the world? I literally live by just be yourself. That's what I live by. You can't hide who you are. You can't let people determine what you do or how you do it, because at the end of the day, you have to live your life for yourself. And at one point in my life, I was like, I'm not happy. Like, and I don't know if it's because I'm hiding who I am from everybody from the world, not that anybody deserves to know, but I felt like I wasn't confident being myself. And then, you know, dating Diamante kind of helped bring that confidence out of me to be like, you know what? I love who I am. My girlfriend loves who I am. My family loves who I am. Like, why should I be afraid to hide who I am? And I literally have aspire to inspire tattooed on my arm because I literally just want to inspire people to be themselves because I've had so many people, so many women, so many wrestlers, my mother, like people have inspired me to just be myself. And I just hope that I'm able to inspire others to just live your best life. Great answer and a great thing to live by. I can tell you that. Be yourself, right? Be proud of yourself. Mm -hmm. who you are. No question about it. We're talking to Kiara Hogan. Uh, we're going to go back and talk about her beginnings in wrestling and why she wanted to be a pro wrestler when we continue on AEW Unrestricted. <music> AEW Unrestricted continues. Tony Aubrey talking with Kiara Hogan, one of our baddies, one of our great young ladies, really, uh, backstage in AEW. Uh, you wanted to wrestle since age 16. What made you want to pursue pro wrestling? So me and my best friend in high school, we were obsessed with wrestling. When I say obsessed, people thought we were weird because we were so obsessed. <laughs> I used to write my own storylines for wrestling. Like I used to write fan fictions and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm so into wrestling. It's so interesting. Like it's a mix of entertainment and athleticism and theatrics. Like I was just so drawn to it. 
from a very young age. Um, my dad and my brother were watching it and they got me into it. And then I found friends through school that were into it. And I got a few of my friends into it. But I was like, you know, talking to my best friend one day and I was like, I feel like I think I want to be a wrestler. Like, I think that's something that I could really do and really put all my time and energy, passion into. And she was like, yeah, we should do that. I was the only one that did it right out of high school. Like before I even graduated, I went to my first indie show at WWA4 and Mr. Hughes was like, hey, I heard you. Um, you want to be a wrestler? And I was like, yeah, I, he was like. Uh, well, you know, we need a backstage interviewer. Would you would you want to be the interviewer? I was like, sure. And that was before I even got into the ring. He presented me with a lot of opportunities to at least get my foot in the door because he knew I wanted to be there, which was great. Ever since, like even my my best friend from high school, she follows me on Twitter and she always comments and she's like, I'm so proud of you. We were we were both very huge fans, Mickey James, like me and her together. We went to our concerts, we went to meet and greets, we went to all kinds of things. And she's like, I'm just so proud of you because you finally were able to do something that you said you were going to do so many years ago. And I was like, thank you. I appreciate it. Before we get on to talking about Mickey James, I wanted to ask, because you kind of dropped in there, you have some fan fiction. Do you have any like particularly great fan fiction stories or any particularly really bad ones <laughs> that you want to share? <laughs> I mean, first of all, I think my like, username was like team edward 94 or something because i was a huge twilight fan oh my god oh my god i wrote storylines about mickey i wrote stories about like i did like a twilight wrestling crossover <laughs> honestly like reading it and diamante has read it too she's like these are so good <laughs> just publish them in a book i mean honestly i used to I feel like writing used to be my escape. That and wrestling were my escape and doing makeup. I used to be a kid that was just to herself, always in her head, but very creative. So I felt like writing got all my creativity out and I would write for hours just about anything to just get it out. So I, I feel like I need to get back to that because, man, that, that holds a very special place in my heart. We're talking with Kara Hogan. Uh, Kara, you uh, you mentioned Mickey James. You call her your idol. What was it about Mickey James that drew you to her and your best friend as well? I could just tell through the screen from a young age that she was just authentically being herself no matter what. And of course, like her doing the storyline with Trish, I was so intrigued because she was just so versatile. Like I felt like she was so complex and then she was a face and I was like, oh my God, she just seemed like she was always herself and she never changed for anybody. She was always just Mickey James from Virginia. And I could attest to that because I felt like I could be myself because of that. Like, I'm like, okay, she can make it. She was herself the whole time. And she's still so down to earth. Like it amazes me to see people like that. Not that there aren't a lot of people like that, but she's just one of the most down to earth women on this planet, I swear. And I've always just been drawn to her wrestling style and her, the way that she would sell crazy and things like that. I was just so interested in her in general, but a lot of the divas from back in the day, like Melina, um, Victoria, I was super into them. But I remember when the divas started getting really short matches, I was like, this is kind of weird. And my cousin was like, oh, you know, there's this other wrestling company called TNA. And I was like, really? There's another wrestling company? So he showed me and I was hooked because all the women were different. None of them looked the same. They all did crazy things. They were in these crazy matches. And I feel like they were taking women's wrestling to the next level before it was even a thing. 
uh, so I was super into the knockout. So then to become a knockout, it was like a dream come true. My, my life works in mysterious ways. I feel like my life is so full circle, honestly. Like, I feel like I put a lot of things out in the universe and sooner than later, or, you know, if I'm very patient with myself, I get them in return. Speaking of full circle, you got to wrestle Mickey James recently. How, how was that experience for you? I, I honestly, like, when I knew she was coming back to, like, the Indies and NWA, I was like, oh, my God, I think this is going to be my chance. I think I'm going to finally get to wrestle her because when she went back to, you know, WWE, I was like, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to get to wrestle her. Maybe she'll retire and, you know, putting all these negative thoughts in my head. But when she got back to the Indies, I was like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to wrestle her. I think I'm going to get a chance. And then she started working with NWA and... Billy was like, hey, I want you to wrestle Mickey. And I was like, <laughs> you're not kidding, right? And he's like, no, 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 you're going to wrestle her. And I was like, okay, oh my God, this is really happening. And the first match we had was like, just working with her was so great and effortless. Like the way that she works is so effortless. Like, of course she's a professional. She's a vet. She knows this game. Like, but working with her, I, again, she's one of those people I will work 10 times over. And then I had the knockouts championship match with her after I left impact, which was amazing. I'm so blessed that they even gave me the opportunity to go for the knockouts title because when I was with impact, I never got a chance to go for the title. So to have that match with Mickey or for her to even suggest that I be the one to wrestle her at NWA for the title was again, just full circle. I was like, I cannot believe this. Like this is really happening. And of course I was super emotional because it's a dream come true. I used to write about things like this. I used to journal and write and hope and dream and pray for one day. And to just finally have it be a reality is still so crazy to me. Uh, Kiara, you, you touched on that. You did train with uh, Mr. Hughes uh, in WWA4. How did you find WWA4? I don't know if you answered that or not. How did, how did you hook into that? Um, so I'm originally from Atlanta. A4 is located in Atlanta. Right. So one day... I might have been by myself. I just Google wrestling schools because I, I knew you had to go to wrestling school. And I think I was going to go. I was like researching going to FCW, but I didn't have the money. I didn't have a job. I wasn't. My parents weren't going to let me move to Florida. So that was out of the question. So I was like, wrestling schools in Atlanta. WWA4 was the first one to pop up. So I was like, OK, well, I'm going to go check it out. Like I had online friends that I was close with that were going to WWA for. And they were like, why don't you come to a show? And I was like, OK. So I went to one show and I was hooked. I was like, OK, this is where I'm going to go. And training with Mr. Hughes was amazing. I honestly miss it so, so much because he really drilled the foundation of wrestling into his students. And I feel like that's really important. He really made sure we understood everything that we were getting taught and we would do it 10 times over. And then of course on Thursday nights, we would do a free show where we got to, you know, have matches and get our character out and get footage so that then we can promote ourselves. Like it was just, it just ran really well when he was the head trainer and I definitely miss him. And I miss the old A4. I know AR Fox is now the head trainer at A4, but I miss the old days. They were great. And I there's always that nostalgia aspect. It's like, Oh man, I loved it back when, XYZ. You know, you mentioned you got kind of got your start doing backstage interviewing and ring announcing and you're training to wrestle. Like when did that transition happen and how did it happen? So I was two years into interviewing and announcing. At the time I was, like I said, traveling a lot, 
back and forth to North Carolina for announcing and interviewing jobs. And I was like, you know, I like doing this, but this isn't fulfilling my heart the way that I, I know what I want. Like, I know I want to wrestle. I told Brian, the owner of PWX, I was like, hey, I'm going to start wrestling training. Like, I just cut off doing announcing and interviewing because I was like, I want to focus all of my energy on training and getting my first match. And I was working with the company called AWE. I always get it mixed up because it's the same. <laughs> right. Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment was just swap it a little bit. Right. I was like, just swap it. Don't get it confused. <laughs> Uh, I was working with a company, my home company, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment, and they wanted me to have my first match, like maybe a year or so into my training. And I was like, okay. But for Hughes, you had to pass your five minute match to even start doing shows. So he wouldn't even let you go out if you were just training. You had to pass a five minute match before you could go start promoting yourself and putting his name out there, which honestly, I applaud because. Again, he just made sure that we understood what we were doing and how we were doing it. And then he would take us on the road. And when I finally started getting into wrestling and doing matches, he would take us on the road, have us be on shows with him. We would travel with him and he would show us the ropes and how to do things. So, like I said, just one day I was like, I'm done being an announcer interviewer and I want to be a wrestler now. And I trained for a year, maybe like four or five days out of the week. I was working and doing wrestling training and going to shows on the weekend. So I was hustling. I was trying so hard to get my name out there as fast as I could. And First Lady of Atlanta, as we mentioned earlier, was your first character. How did that all develop? So, of course, we were in Atlanta. And I think Love & Hip Hop was really hot at the time. And Josh Wheeler, one of the owners of AWE, he was like, I think you could be like the First Lady of Atlanta. And uh, my boyfriend at the time, he had like parental advisory kind of like gimmick where he was kind of like extra I guess would be the term (laughs) they were like you could be the first lady of Atlanta like this is your city like you're the first lady and I was like okay I mean I know there's other first ladies in wrestling but I'll be the first lady of Atlanta right (laughs) of course it's got to be you uh you eventually make your way to impact and your two-time impact knockouts champion tag team with Tasha Steeles talk about the relationship and working with Tasha oh man so Tasha had done I think one impact show when we were at the 2300 arena it was a battle royal a lot of the girls in the locker room were putting her over like telling Gail and telling Scott like you need to you need to get this girl you need to get this girl like I said of course they waited until the pandemic well we had a show in Atlanta and Tasha showed up I think she cut a promo backstage and everybody was watching and then everything got shut down and they called her in So I think they would have ended up calling her in regardless. But of course, the pandemic happened and a lot of people weren't traveling into work. There were there was literally barely anybody at Impact like that first time we did it. I think it was maybe five girls. So they just threw us together. They were like, hey, you and Tasha are going to be a team. And I was like, "Okay, cool, because this is what I wanted. I have pitched for me and Tasha to be a team or I pitched for a faction of women that I felt like we're going to be strong and a force to be reckoned with. And me and Tasha just happened to be right place, right time. And like I said, it just happened organically. Everything we did was just us being ourselves. Like I said, we were just ourselves. We didn't plan anything. We didn't practice anything. None of our promos, nothing. We just we were like, okay, this is it. Let's do it. Like I just had so much fun like teaming with her. Cause like I said, I just felt like I could be my hype self. Like I am in the locker room. I just got to be hype outside of that. So I love working with her. What prompted you to leave the Impact Wrestling? Talk about the timing of that. So I was with Impact for four years, okay. which is so crazy that I was there for four years. 
And I started there kind of young. I felt like I had developed myself really well in the four years that I was there. But I I just felt like I was being impatient, but I also felt like I wasn't getting the credit that I should have been given because I was giving them so much to work with. I was like, I literally changed my whole gimmick. Nobody asked me, nobody questioned me. And I finally get to this point where I'm confident and I still feel like I'm not getting what I want. And what I really wanted was a chance for the knockout title. That's what I wanted. There was so much happening. Mickey was coming in. There were other girls coming in. And I didn't want to get pushed on the back burner again because I felt like a lot of the times I was getting put on the back burner. I was just like, you know, I feel like right now I'm confident in myself to put myself out there and go see what other opportunities I have, especially because I'm still young. I'm hot. I'm coming off a huge like title win or whatever the case may be. And I was like, I feel like I could do more. I know in my heart I can do more. So that's when I was like, you know, I've been to AEW a few times. I love the locker room. I love what they're putting out. I love the energy that's there. And I really want to be a part. So here I am. <laughs> it doesn't hurt to be hanging out with your girlfriend backstage. I mean, you know, that's a plus. Right. <laughs> I personally appreciate every time that we get to see Blaze, your dog. What a cutie. And also so well behaved. So thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. He's literally an angel. Do you know we found him with that name? Really? Like we didn't name him that. We found him on a Facebook page. Somebody had commented and was like, I have this puppy. This lady gave a deposit for the puppy, but she didn't end up wanting the puppy. And he's the last one. His name is Blaze. And I was like, match made in heaven. Oh, he's ours. That's our boy. We found him. He found us. And he's literally an angel. Like he's so you can hear him barking because I'm talking. about. Yeah, him. yeah. He's an angel. He's the best. <laughs> He's absolutely great. We're talking to Kiera Hogan here on AEW Unrestricted. And coming up next, we've got fan questions. <laughs> AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey here with Kiera and Blaze. Such a wonderful puppy. Tony, you didn't get a chance to hang out with him because Blaze is just hanging out with all the ladies in the locker room. Yeah. Just getting the ball thrown constantly and by the end of the day, he's just passed the fuck out in the middle of the floor. Oh, he loves it. Ball is life with him. <laughs> Literally, ball is life. So good. Such a great dog. All right. We got fan questions. First off, good old Nate. How did you go from wrestling Jade Cargill at the United Center to joining up with her and the baddies? I think that I am an opportunist. And I saw an opportunity for something big. Because, again, I feel like us together would have been a threat and it is. And I saw that before it even happened. I was like, could you imagine if me, Jade, and I saw, you know, Red was turning heel. I was like, it couldn't have been more perfect. It literally couldn't have been more perfect. I just saw an opportunity and, and honestly, it's worked out for the best. So yeah, you know, she beat me that one time. Got to keep it in the back of my head, but you know, we can <laughs> things right now. And that's all that matters. Agent Great P1 on Twitter, that's Agent Great P1, uh, also thinks that uh, they are a booker and they want to know, do you see you in Red Velvet going through the forbidden door and maybe challenging for a women's tag team title somewhere? I mean, that would definitely be great. Could you imagine me and Velvet yeah. as the NWA tag team champions or the Impact Knockouts oh. tag team champions? Or we'll be all the tag team champions, honestly, because baddies do it better, period. There you go. Just belt collectors there you go that's all we need hey. all right we have a question from west coast pop 
Going from a fan to a pro, is there anything you do to celebrate with each of your milestones? I don't have a particular way to celebrate. I just try to live in the moment. I'm really bad about taking pictures and videos and I want to get better about that because, you know. Dude, me too. (laughs) Oh my God. I always forget to take pictures and videos, especially traveling so much, but I love living in the moment and I don't like pulling out my phone or being when I'm, especially around people. I just want to be in that moment. So when I do go home and settle down and turn it off, I try to relive what I went through and then I let all my emotions out or, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm a Virgo. So sometimes I let it out, but sometimes I can hold it in. Alex wants to know what's your favorite movie care of all time that you can rewatch over and over. Oh, so like I said, I'm a twihard, so probably all of the Twilight movies. But also, I'm a huge fan of Kristen Stewart, so The Runaways is definitely a good movie that I know I can watch over and over and over again. What's your favorite Twilight film? It would have to be Eclipse or Breaking Down Part Two. I've never seen any of them. So those are all just like whatever to me. <laughs> oh my God. So, you know, now being an adult, I'm like, man, these movies are so corny and they're about like teenage love, forbidden love and stuff. But honestly, they're still so good. <laughs> sure. There's just kind of that like that popcorn aspect of like, yeah, I know this is a bad movie and it doesn't hold up. It's just entertaining to watch. Exactly. <laughs> I was in Vegas a couple of years back and Space Jam was on and I'm like, oh, man. And all of us are like the same age. We're like, let's watch Space Jam. And it was just not a good movie. It did not hold up. <laughs> but like I sat there and I watched the whole thing. Exactly. Just because it's like that, that sort of nostalgia aspect of like, I remember when I thought this movie was good, when I had a bad opinion. <laughs> Exactly. And you remember how you felt about it before. And now you're like, why did I feel that way about it? Yeah. And you're just like, I'm not going to admit publicly that I watched, oh, I guess I am now, that I watched Space Jam in a hotel room in Vegas. Oh, you're on <laughs> tape now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> we already saw Blaze on camera a little bit, but uh, someone actually asked LKW Artworks on Twitter, how's the Corgi and what's his favorite toy? Blaze is doing great. He's a. Uh... Almost two. He'll be two in August, which is so crazy to me. He's honestly bigger than most corgis. Like, he's like extra long. He's huge. He's so big. And we don't know how, but his parents were both really big. His dad is really big, but he's doing great. And, you know, like I said, ball is life. It could be a soccer ball. It could be a squeaky ball. It could be a ball that's deflated. He doesn't care. He just loves balls are life. Like, ball is life with him. (laughs) That's tremendous. Dogs are a wonderful, wonderful thing. They are. We lad wants to know. That's we lad. What's your favorite place to eat in Atlanta? Well, my mom just turned me on to this pasta. It's called Rasta Pasta. Okay. Oh, I've heard of that place. It, oh my god! Listen, listen. It's <laughs> fettuccine Alfredo with like jerk seasoning in it, and then it has oxtails on top. Whoa! When I tell you, I've never taste it even diamante can attest to this because she literally had a bite and started crying Mm. that's how good it was like the flavor was something i had never had in my life but i would eat it once a week if i could so we're we're headed back to atlanta soon so that's uh that gets rasta pasta yeah there might be a mass text like hey hey here's where we're going trust me yeah the oxtail is is tear inducing oh oh my goodness you definitely have to try it you have to well, I I don't eat animals, so I will I will let everyone else enjoy the oxtail and just tell me all about it. Okay. 
I'm a big noodle fan though. So maybe we can see if there's something I can do. Oh, I love noodles are my favorite. Like I'm a pasta girl. I love noodles. Like I can eat noodles. However, (laughs) are you more of like an Italian pasta or like a ramen type person? Italian. This is why we're friends. (laughs) Where in Atlanta is Rasta Pasta? It's it's not a franchise, is it? It's just like one location? No, it's kind of like a hole in the wall. I, I think it's in the hood, honestly. My mom went to go pick it up. So I think it's like indicator where I'm from, like kind of in the hood somewhere. I'm going to find out and let y'all know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tony lives in Atlanta, so he's... Uh... Oh, I definitely got to let you know. Yeah. If you live in Decatur, I kind of live the other side, Northwest. Okay, I, I definitely got to let you know where this place is. Once I find out, I'm going to let you know. You got it. Because it sounds great. It really does. It is. It's a fantastic <laughs> name, too. Rasta Pasta. Oh, doesn't it sound like a party? <laughs> great marketing. I'm just a big fan. Anyway, another another fan question from Ref Aubrey. Uh, who is your dream match at AEW? So, back in the day, I had a match against a Heidi Lovelace. Mm, I think I, I know who that is. Yes. <laughs> and it was at AWE. And that match did not end the best. You know, she went for her top rope senton and knocked herself out. And had to end the match. That was the first time that it happened to me. And she was snoring with her eyes wide open. I will never forget it. I feel like I definitely need a rematch with a Ruby Soho. Definitely. Yes, you both have uh, grown quite a bit since then. And I'm sure that would be an absolute banger. Oh, man, I would. I, I know we would kill it. I just know it. So one of my favorite things about being a ref is cleaning up all of the various hair that's left in the ring after. And the dudes are just as bad as the girls. But like at the end of that match, there would be just a rainbow collection of like red and blue and orange and whatever she's feeling that day. Yeah, I'd, My shit would be there. So you have some brunette in there. Like it would, it would just be wild. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be so funny. You just have a hairball of rainbow hair. Just like, oh, look at this. It's rainbow. Happy pride, everyone. <laughs> look, Shira was there and, you know, Ruby, this piece of Ruby. <laughs> yeah, we got a little velvet, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> little, little jade hair in there. <laughs> <laughs> we got green. We got silver. We got pink. Whatever she's doing now. Well, your blue hair is just absolutely wonderful, Kara. I can tell you that. It's just oh, I love it. great Thank stuff. You. Really I've is. been thinking about doing blue hair for a long time. Like before when I had like red, orange and yellow hair, I was like, one day I'm going to do blue flame hair one day, but I'm going to wait for the right moment. And I was turning heel at impact. And I was like, I think this is my moment. I think I'm going to go blue. Now. Oh, yeah. And blue is the hottest flame. Don't forget that. It's super hot. You know what's up. All right, Kara. Thank you very much. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram at Hogan Knows Best 18 and on Twitter at Hogan Knows Best 3. Because she knows best. Yeah, there you go. You can listen to follow this podcast, AW Unrestricted, wherever you get your podcasts. It's absolutely free, Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever. And also we have the video version, which is on YouTube. Just search AEW Unrestricted. Speaking of YouTube, you can find us on Dark Elevation and Dark, Mondays and Tuesdays, respectively. Dynamite on Wednesday on TBS at 8 o'clock, 7 central. We've got Rampage Friday, 10 o'clock, 7 Pacific. That's when I actually watch it. We're all over the place. Roll over, and you can see Hottest Flame hanging out with baddies, throwing popcorn at people behind my back. Great. <laughs> I'm Aubrey Edwards, along with Tony Schiavone. Thank you for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gonna turn it.